playing online and on smart devices. Now on London Scotty Radio, it's podcast time. I'm George Matlock. Welcome, welcome. It's great to have you here with us on this very day. And I'm very delighted to tell you, actually, that this is the first podcast of 2023. You've had a long wait, haven't you? But uh, we've not been sitting on our hands, I assure you. We've been getting ready for the next big thing. And indeed, uh, today, um, I want to make a few quick announcements um, because a lot of things have happened in the last few months. So first of all, uh, we've decided to retire Scotty MOT for the time being. Uh, It seems as though um, everybody's got very healthy Scottish Terriers, which we're obviously delighted by. Um, and uh, either that or, or they're or they're ignoring the plight of their dogs, which I very much doubt and I sus- sincerely hope not. So um, so that's the news there that um, we, we, we've stopped getting lo- inquiries by the truckload about uh, things about, you know, around health and well-being questions around uh, Scottish Terriers. So we, we have to assume on that basis that everybody is, is a happy family. Um, should we continue to get questions from you, the audience and anyone, whether you're a London Scotty Club member or not, if you've got a question about Scottish Terriers, about their health or, or behavioural issues or whatever it is, you can always get in touch with us. So please do email us info at, uh, at uh, sorry, no, I've forgotten it now, info at londonscotty.club. Uh, and um, we'll be very happy to uh, to look into and research the, the question and have one of our uh, co-presenters uh, answer that on these, this very program. But that's Scotty MOT. Um, so what are we doing in 2023? Well, we've started off with a special edition today of Collard, and it's literally um, being prepared now and will be on air um, on Friday at 9am London time. Uh, but for this, we've had to go really, really, you know, Go, go the whole world. We've done a bit of globetrotting. I don't mind telling you that the guest we've got today on the programme um, is somebody who, who desperately tried to get away from us and, and did, did his very best to try and uh, stay away from us. Uh, Travelled a long way away from London. In fact, 13 time zones away, would you believe, ladies and gentlemen? Yes, I'm talking about New Zealand. That's the beautiful island, of course, which unfortunately has been in the headlines this very week for all the wrong reasons. And so it's our uh, pleasure to, first of all, introduce safe and well, I'm sure, um, Ed Gibbs. Ed, how are you, sir? Thanks, George. Yes, it's an absolute pleasure to join join the show today. I'm, I'm very well, thank you. And I'm, I'm joined by my little fairy friend, Nessie, who sat alongside uh, dutifully listening and making sure I don't, <laughs> don't report, say anything bad about her. Okay. And what, how would she react if you did? Does she bite your finger or something? Or she'd probably just do some, do some low level grumbling in that <laughs> Scotty way. Well, we'll, we'll be able to hear that because I know she's probably within uh, microphone range as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, welcome to you. And of course, welcome to Nessie. It's great to have you both on the program. Now, Ed, you, of course, uh, were originally in the UK. You're in London, I think, and uh, you joined the club. Uh, do you remember actually when it was? Yeah, no, that's a good question. So, so Nessie is just over two years old. Um, I think she was born. She was born in December, uh, and we we picked her up in in early February. And I think we joined the Scotty Club probably a couple of months after that. So sort of probably maybe three four months after we got Nessie. So that would have been 
early 2021 yeah early 2021 yeah yeah. Exactly. So, yeah i've looked you up on the on the member directory in fact it's a good thing to remind people as well because a lot of people and i think you you fell into this trap yourself actually ed and, uh, and i think i explained it to you um even though you leave uh, the uk um uh, you know you are very much welcome to to remain a member of london scotty club we never uh, turn our back on any member or their uh, dogs which are of course known as vips in other words very important pooches and, uh, you know, we, we always like to hear from, from our members and it doesn't matter where you are in the world, if, if something goes, you know, terribly wrong or you need some help, you can always reach out. You can always get through to us on our WhatsApp group, which is exclusively for London Scotty Club members. So, Ed, um, with that, um, just wanted to, you to know you're very much part of our extended community, though I know that where you are, it is a different season and it's a different time of the year and everything else to what it is here uh, in Europe. Um, but um, let, let me ask you, first of all, about events in the last week, because you're, sure. the country's been through a lot of calamity. In your own words, what, what exactly happened? Yeah, it has. So, so we've, we've, the country's been absolutely battered by uh, Tropical Cyclone Gabrielle. Uh, there was a bit of uncertainty about how hard that weather event would hit the country, um, but, but it turned out it was pretty phenomenal, really. Um, so New Zealand is split into two islands. There's the North Island, which contains the, the two biggest cities. That's Auckland and Wellington. Auckland's up right at the north and Wellington's right down at the south of it. And then you've got the South Island, um, which is sort of 30 miles across the Straits. Uh, and that's where Christchurch is, which is the city that was hit very hardly by the earthquake a few years ago. Um, the storm, the most recent storm, absolutely battered uh, the top of the North Island. Auckland uh, was particularly badly impacted, as well as the surrounding areas, and also the east coast. Um, fortunately, uh, the south of the South Island, uh, including Wellington, which is where we are, was was pretty uh, lightly let off, really. Um, that's not to say we didn't feel it. We had sort of 160 kilometres per hour winds, hmm. um, which many Wellingtonians assured me was pretty normal. It's a very windy city. They're used to that type of gust. Um, but, but there were some very heavy winds down here and, and a lot of rain that just went on for hours and hours and hours. Um, but, but for the rest of the country, what that's meant has been, you know, unimaginable flooding, uh, been massive disruption to transport networks and telecommunications networks. So it's very difficult for people to get in touch with people right across the country. Um, many New Zealanders are relying on national radio uh, for updates on when they might get the power back on, whether the water is safe to drink, whether even family members are okay. So there has been huge disruption, and I think it's difficult to really underplay that. And, and very sadly, an increasing number of people have lost their lives. Um, I think this morning it was, it was reported that sort of six people have now died, and that um, number the Prime Minister has warned is, is set to rise as the rescue efforts continue. So it really has been um, a horrendous weather event. Absolutely. And certainly from what you're saying there, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the ramifications of this uh, incident or this uh, are, are still unfolding, right? So as you say, the latest reports about casualties, there could be more, obviously. Um, this happened on, was it Monday, the, the start of this week, right? This, the cyclone? Yeah, Sunday, Sunday evening, Monday was, the, was the, the full brunt of it, really. And then um, the weather system's been quite sort of slow to move away. So the intensity of the weather has kind of cooled off but it's it's rumbled on through tuesday wednesday thursday to be honest so this morning which is now i mean you're you're um you know uh, th- 13 hours ahead of london yes. so yeah 
you're, where you are, it's when, when we're recording this, it's, it's 8 a.m. Um, is it tranquil or is it still quite strong gusts of wind? It's still fairly strong, fairly strong gusts of wind outside, but but it's it's overcast. It, but it's fairly bright. Um, doesn't look like there's going to be any rain today. Uh, so hopefully, moving into the weekend, we'll be back for some good, what should be summer weather. Okay, well that's reassuring. Now, I know you've already taken Nessie out for her morning walk, um, and where where you are, which I know is obviously a, a, a major metro, metropolitan area, um, do you see the devastation all around you? I mean, are there sort of like roofs taken off the buildings, lampposts uh, flattened on cars, that sort of thing? As I say, Wellington, you, you wouldn't really know that there's been there's been a major storm event, despite mm. those strong winds. As mm. I say, it's a city that's really used to that kind of level of intensity. Right. Um, so the buildings and the transport network are, are, are purposely designed to withstand a bit of a battering. Right. So you wouldn't notice it too much. <laughs> the only the only um, effect really that, that I spotted here was when taking Nessie out for a morning walk on, on bin day. It looked rather like in London where the foxes have been out and ripped everything open. Right. Um, but fortunately, there's no foxes in New Zealand, uh, but th- that was just the wind kind of tearing stuff all over the place. Exactly. So it just looked like debris, basically, refuse debris yeah, exactly. scattered around. Exactly. I didn't know you don't have foxes. I know you don't have any creepy crawlies, apparently, uh, uh, on New Zealand. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's one of the many positive things about the country. There's, there, are, there are no foxes, um, and also, as I'm sure many Scotties would be delighted to hear, there are no squirrels. Um, so there are there are there are no native land mammals to New Zealand. So anything that is here has been introduced. So what we do have that that in in absolute abundance that Scotties love to chase are rabbits and hedgehogs. Thank, um, thank we, goodness uh, for that. Out for evening walk yesterday, and we walked yeah. past a hedgehog that was literally the size of a football, um, because <laughs> there are no there are no predators <laughs> here for them. So they grow absolutely enormously, but they they do an awful lot of damage to the native wildlife as well. So actually, I think um, that, that people are encouraged to sort of hunt and trap uh, rabbits and hedgehogs, whereas at home, those animals are held in a bit more affection. Well, that is certainly true. Um, I have to say hedgehogs, though, I wouldn't strongly recommend any uh, dog to approach because no. of those uh, prickly, um, you know, bits. I mean, it's it, you, I mean, you can poke your eye out with it. I mean, it's quite pretty nasty. Yeah, so absolutely. I wouldn't want my dog going anywhere near one, to tell you the truth. Um, but but um, thank goodness that there are rabbits and hedgehogs. Goodness me. I mean, what are the dogs going to do? It must be the most boring place on earth. I mean, what are they going to do? I mean, they, they can't get excited. No, what? No vermin? I mean, what's all this about? Uh, yeah. So it must be it must be difficult. So they must be all getting very fat and bored. I mean, what, watching TV. What, 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 do, what do Scotties do to pass the time in New Zealand? Well, you be you might be surprised to hear there are actually there are very few Scotties here. Um, we've we've seen one other since we got here, and you don't you you see very few around at all. Um, mm. I think I think you're probably talking certainly there's well below a hundred Scotties in the whole of the country. Wow, I would guess uh, lots of the cousin cousin Westies. Um, yeah. see many of those. Uh, but but very few Scotties. But but no, there's it's a country that's quite is quite different for the UK in terms of how friendly it is for dogs. Whereas at, at home and in London in particular, you know you can take your dog pretty much anywhere. You go to the pub, you can take the dog with you. Um, New Zealand is not a country like that at all. Um, there are lots of even high streets in smaller towns that will say no dogs. Uh, lots of the big walks that you'd like to do out into the native bush, you're mm. not allowed to take your dog with you. Um, and that's all for very sensible reasons around kind of biodiversity protection and they don't want people's dogs kind of catching 
native kiwi, which are a hugely endangered bird. Um, but I think historically, people, dog owners in New Zealand have been, they've had dogs as for practical reasons. They've tended to be farm dogs or working dogs. Mm. And it's only more recently that I think uh, people have started to keep dogs more as pets. So lots of the dogs you see here are of the sort of Heinz 57 variety. Yeah. There are very few sort of pedigree breeds. Um, mm-hmm. As I say, you will see Westies, you'll see an awful lot of Schnauzers, um, mm. the odd sort of Golden Retriever and Labrador. But otherwise, it's it's pretty much um, farm dogs and, and general mixes. And I think for that reason, as as dogs have only, you know, have only really sort of more recently become family pets here, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. that the country is certainly way behind where we are in the UK of of welcoming dogs. Um, but but fortunately, there's plenty of plenty of beaches that they can run around on, and and the local council is excellent actually at providing dog exercise areas, which are big fenced in places that you can go and take your dog. Um, so th- th- those, are, those are brilliant. It's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, New Zealand is uh, mostly populated with, I was thought, uh, people who are the gen- from generations of Brits, and, and yet the mindset is completely different. It's agriculture, you know, dogs were, were, were working, um, they're, they're not seen as domesticated pets or, until recently. I find that absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's really, it's really, really interesting. Really interesting. And, and it's not entirely negative, I have to say. I think there's, there, there's a real um, sense of how important it is to be a responsible dog owner here. So if mm-hmm. you have a dog, you have to register the dog with the local council. You have to pay an annual fee. Um, and personally, I think, given, particularly given the increasing number of dog attacks I've seen reported in the UK press, that sense of accountability for your own dog. Now, I'm sure everyone in the London Scotty Club is a, is a responsible dog owner, but unfortunately, we know that there are, you know, there are people out there that, that don't perhaps take as much care and oversight of their dog mm. as they should. So being in a country where actually, you know, it's really drilled into you and drilled into everyone that if you have a dog, you are responsible for it. It isn't allowed off the lead except in designated areas. You must pay um, a fee to the council so that they can... Uh, invest in proper dog infrastructure. Um, it's a very, very different different way of, of, of doing things, but, but I have to say from what I've seen so far, it, it seems to broadly work. It would be nice if Nessie could come to a few more pubs with us, but I'm sure We'll, we'll gradually find more, more friendly establishments along we're here for. You know, I think when pub owners, the pub landlords start to wise up to the fact that they can actually um, generate a lot more revenue by inviting people in with their dogs, because people are not going to just come in for a swift half. They'll spend an afternoon or an evening there because yeah, the dog's absolutely. with them. Um, they'll, they'll wise up that, you know, there's an opportunity here uh, not to be missed. And that's how business works, right? So they'll, they'll find an, a, a purpose for it. And then, and then suddenly others will follow. Very, very, very interesting. And, and one thing I need to ask, I mean, you said that um, obviously uh, people take it very seriously, you know, uh, accountability for their dogs and so on and, and, and the registration process. But um, I mean, we have registration here in London and, and, and in throughout the UK. It hasn't stopped people's uh, dangerous dogs from attacking and mauling children or elderly people. And we've seen the consequences, yeah. sadly. Um, do, do you have incidents like that? or And are they uh, are they very severely punishable? I mean, is that maybe the difference that the, that the, the penalties are much higher than they would be in the UK? So I haven't really seen any reports of that sort of thing, to be honest. The, the rules, I think, here are very different on, on private land. So lots of, there, are, there, there are lots of farms up, up down here which are you know, simply just enormous farms because the land, there's so much land for a relatively small population. I think only about 5 million people live in New Zealand. So smaller than the entire population of London. Mm. 
Um, so where, and I, and I think people are quite entitled to have dogs that protect their, their land and livestock, and there may well be instance in, in that space. I haven't really seen any reports or instances of um, people being harmed by dogs in, in cities, um, but I think there are pretty stringent um, financial penalties in place. I haven't seen for, for you know, if, if there is a dog bite, for example, I think then you're, you're subject to legal action. But if, if a council officer sees you with um, your dog off the lead in a non-designated area, you will be slapped with, with a pretty significant fine straight away. Right, right. And, and I presume that they also put down the dog that's, that's been, that was the attacker, right? Or, or is, that, is that different to I, the way the UK... I don't, I don't actually know, George, I'm afraid. I, I think it would really depend on the situation. Yeah. I feel very sorry, actually. I mean, I know that's the law here in the UK, but I have to say that I, yeah. I've, I've always felt, felt it, as, as a dog lover myself, you know, I always, I'm quick to blame the, the dog owner, not the dog, because dogs tend to do what they've been told to do and been trained to do, and they're always out to please their master. So I always find it very difficult to calculate in my mind that a dog would just go berserk just because it wanted to. Um, that's not to say it could not happen, but ho- who's to be judge and jury on that? How, how can you s- just have a, a rule that says, well, the dog has to be put down now? Um, y- you know, uh, it, yes, it's done something it shouldn't, but at the same time, where's the owner in all of this? I'm not suggesting we put down the owner, by the way, but you know, you know what I'm trying to say, that there needs to be a sense of balance and proportion. And I kind of feel that in a way um, it's like dealing with the, the symptom and not dealing with the cause. No, I, I hear what you're saying there, and I think we, I think we all know our dogs are like sponges, and, and where they do tend to have behavioural issues, it's it's largely because we as owners have perhaps misunderstood them or, or haven't put in the time and effort to train and work with them properly, yeah. um, and they need, they need help to sort of overcome those issues. But, but on the flip side of that, if you know that your dog does have behavioural issues or reactivity issues, then as an owner... It's, it's critically important that you take every step possible to, to make sure your dog isn't put in a situation where they might be, um, they, they might be caused to become aggressive or, 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 and, and snap out. That sounds like sound advice to me. We're just going to take a quick break. Hello, I am Amy, and together with my friends Emma and Brian, we will be delivering website news from London Scotty Club in audio format. The advantages are that if you are out walking your dog you can listen to the latest stories from London Scotty Club. This new service is in addition to London Scotty Radio podcasts which you can listen to from this website or from podcast apps. Comment on how you find this new service. Thank you. Well, thank you. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to London Scotty Radio. I'm George Matlock. Delighted to tell you we've got Ed Gibbs all the way from Windy City, Wellington in New Zealand, who's our special guest on Collard, the interview series. Now, I should say uh, that we were actually hoping to have uh, less pressure on you, Ed, and have two people uh, on, as guests on this particular edition. But we were unfortunately not able to uh, to track down the other guest. Now, uh, you, you know this already, Ed. Um, uh, another member of London Scotty Club fled our shores even earlier than you did. I think you left, what, about uh, six months to a year ago, right, I think? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, some, and, and there's also Claire Meehan. Now, uh, Claire left, I think, these shores probably about five, four or five years ago, now it must be, best part of. She was um, one of the um, earlier... Um, members to join uh, London Scotty Club, which we, we launched in uh, back in 2016. And um, uh, she she has a lovely dog called Ardbeg. And um, Ardy, for short, 
although it's not really short, but it's more affectionate perhaps. Anyway, um, so she's got a lovely dog called Ardy. Now, we were obviously very concerned on Tuesday when we heard the, the, the news in the morning of what had happened in New Zealand. So we first of all reached out to you, Ed, as you know, and you were able to reassure us that you and Nessie are fine and your family's fine. Uh, and then we also reached out to Claire um, and she was actually able to send me a very short but uh, uh, very uh, a much appreciated message by us. Uh, she said, um, thanks so much for your kind message. Thankfully, we're all fine, apart from Ardy refusing to go out for a wee. And we're sending best wishes to us here in London. Um she then went on to say that Ardy is a fair-weather Scotty dog. He laughs in the face of cold, but not rain. <laughs> <laughs> now, we've not been able to get hold of her since, um, and it's a shame because I know that the messages are not getting through on WhatsApp, um, so we're obviously a bit concerned. Now, t tell us about Claire, because she lives um, uh, in the North Island as well, but she's up in Auckland, isn't she? Yeah, she's up in Auckland, which, which as I said earlier, is, is part of the country that's been really sort of ravaged by the weather and I'm sure you'll have seen as well two weeks before this current event happened there was a there was some really biblical rain up there um which mm. again tragically killed um killed a couple of people and, and had devastating effects on on the road network transport network and communications network so just as Auckland was sort of picking itself back up from that um weather event then Cyclone Gabrielle came in so it's been it's been a real pounding for people up there um, but 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 Claire was immensely helpful um, for 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 me and Nessie actually, um, and and it was all, all credit to London Scotty Club. Otherwise, we wouldn't have ever come across each other. Um, but when when we found out we were wanting to move to New Zealand, we quite frankly didn't really know where to start in terms of taking taking the dog with us. It's a, it's a huge undertaking, um, and mm. you, you feel very. Um, guilty I suppose as, a, as an owner knowing that that's a, a real ordeal to put your dog through and I think there's no sugarcoating it anyone who wants to travel with dogs should go into it with their with their eyes wide open it, it's not going to be a pleasant experience for the animal um, so you as an owner I think have a real responsibility to do your research and and make sure that 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 everything that can be done to make the process as smooth and um, as straightforward as possible is done um, and that's where Claire was immensely helpful so Claire recommended um, a company that, that helped her with the transport of, of Ardy um, and was recommended to her, I think, by, by a Scotty owner out here in New Zealand. Um, but the company itself were actually based in, in Guildford, uh, so just, just down the road. So mm. that was quite nice dealing with people locally. Um, and they were brilliant in helping us coordinate the trans transfer of, of Nessie over from, from from London to New Zealand and that process just to clarify sort of is a multi-month process it starts at least six months before um, Nessie travelled so you have to have all sorts of, of shots and injections uh, including sort of a rabies vaccine six months out um, and then through that process six months right up until the point of travel there's sort of monthly blood tests and vet appointments and checkups and things like that to make sure that your dog is in in good condition and not carrying any any diseases that New Zealand don't have. Um, I think the process is particularly arduous for New Zealand because the country is very concerned about its biosecurity. Sure. Um, touching on, you know, like I mentioned before about the fact that there are, there are various sort of um, protective native animals here and, and mm. they've got quite a pristine natural environment that they're keen to preserve. So it all makes sense, but it makes the process quite just quite arduous. Um, and was it expensive when, as well? Just out of interest, how much? Yes. How did you yeah, have to shell it out? Very, it's very expensive. 
Um, I, I think for the for the for the trap, it can be done for differing amounts. I think there's sort of depending on how much you want to undertake and do yourself, you could probably do it for a little bit less money. But as I say, we we didn't know where to start mm. and really wanted that sort of expert help, telling us where you know what what needed to be done when and getting sure all the paperwork was right that sort of thing. Um, but I think it it broadly would probably for a trip for a, for a small size Scotty from New Zealand to the to uh, to London would be it's certainly upwards of between three and five thousand pounds. So it's it's a lot of money. Wow, wow! And presumably similar rates going the other way from London. To, yeah, exactly. To, I, to I, I think I think a little bit uh, less coming back to the UK, obviously, because it's it's a country we're familiar with and would probably feel a lot more comfortable sort of dealing with the government, doing the paperwork. Or, ourselves type of thing mm. and uh, as i say the biosecurity requirements aren't quite the same mm-hmm. and she's already done the journey one way so um right. going back is a bit more straightforward but yeah it's 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 a lot of money so not 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 to be entered into lightly and that's just you know that's the financial impact on the owner never mind the kind of emotional impact and the impact on the dog as well indeed which we'll come on to in just a moment but i wanted to ask you very quickly i mean clara is uh, and, and this is why it's uh, it's unfortunate that we can't get through to her and she's not aware that she's invited on this program but um i i, I know that claire has actually done the trip several times i mean she's probably told you this i think she she originally came with rd uh to london and then they decided to go back uh to to new zealand um, and so I think um, it's probably one of the best traveled Scotties that I, that I yeah. know because, I mean, what is the, what is the flight time um, uh, from London to, say, to Wellington? Good question. So there's a, there's a couple of different routes. I think um, you'd be lucky to do it in less than sort of 26 hours. Wow. Uh, there's the, the two routes for... So there aren't as many routes available for dogs as there are for humans. So that, maybe that's worth saying, actually. Nessie didn't travel on the same plane as us so Mm -hmm. it it seems to be um singapore airlines are the airline that seems to specialize in in shipping dogs so and shipping animals so they have a special special hold um that that's that's warm and comfortable for them Mm -hmm. um so nessie went via via singapore you can also fly the other way around i think perhaps with air new zealand actually uh that goes via vancouver um Mm-hmm. So Ness had a, a flight to Singapore, which I think is about 12 hours, and then a, a, a good sort of 12-hour break in Singapore and then completed the journey from Singapore to Auckland. Um, so two two fairly long flights with a, with a lengthy break in the middle. Yeah, what a shame she didn't get to do any sightseeing. 12 hours in Singapore and not even a chance to look outside. What a shame. <laughs> it's a great place, Singapore. So, um, so yeah, so it's, it literally is a day and a bit um, for, for the dog to travel. Um, and uh, I would have imagined this is quite stressful for the dogs. Um, I, I, it's great that there are certain airlines, as you say, that specialise in this sort of thing and provide warm uh, quarters for the dogs because I know that my biggest concern always is that they get treated like cargo and therefore they're in very very cold conditions in that hold but presumably that's not the case uh, for, for for what uh, Nessie experienced what what was it like for her because you know she's she's been she's separated for you for more than a day um, and not to mention the fact that you've still got to fly there yourself I mean, you must have been separated for quite a while. I'm sure for you it was stressful. I'm sure for 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 animals it must be pretty difficult as well. Yeah, it 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 was. Um, and as I say, no owner should enter it enter into that kind of thing lightly. Like it can't be sugarcoated. It's not. I don't think it is a pleasant experience. Um, 
but so Nessie Nessie left the UK uh, I think four days before we did so we knew that she'd landed in New Zealand before we started our journey um, when she got here uh, she then had to quarantine for 10 days as well so you have to factor that in in mm-hmm. terms of longer um, separation um, we were we were always fairly confident that she'd be she'd be fine with being away from us she's always been a fairly I'm sure many Scotty owners will identify with this she's always been fairly um, independent. Mm-hmm. She likes to be in the same room with us, but would prefer to be, you know, in her bed in the corner with a BDI on us rather than in amongst us on the sofa. Um, so she's always been sort of taken herself off when she's had enough and and gone and gone and um, stayed in her crate. And we've we've crate trained her ever since she was a puppy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was actually really helpful for this sort of thing because um, they travel in a crate. It's not it's not your sort of standard domestic crate. It's a special. Um, specially made sort of fairly sturdy wooden crate that we had delivered to our our house um, sort of a month before she travelled. So we got her used to that before. Um, and I think that was really helpful. But but yeah, it's a lot of time to be spent alone. And then, as I say as well, that the quarantine on the other side. Um, broadly, she's, she's handled it pretty well, I think. Um, unfortunately, she she got kennel cough in quarantine. Um, oh despite being vaccinated against it and that sort of thing, so um, the, I mean these things happen. There's not there's not an awful lot you can do, mm. but it just meant that while she was able to mix with us on the other side, we had to then keep her away from other dogs for I think another sort of three weeks or so until until that virus was no longer um, infectious. And what we have noticed following the move is she's become a little bit more highly strung and. Um, Certainly, she's a bit more. She's more reactive to other dogs, um, which is something that we're slowly working with her to get her back to what she was like when we had her in London, where she was very happy to kind of run up and be sniffed by other dogs and all sorts. Um, but I think that the ordeal of the travel, compounded mm-hmm. by the fact that then she she wasn't able to mix with other dogs for a few weeks in this strange new country, um, has just made her a little bit more wary and cautious. That's a very interesting observation. Uh, it's unfortunate, of course, but uh, still you, something that you've noticed in, in her behaviour that, that has changed. And presumably uh, it's not fading away, right? It's, it's like an, a gear shift for her. Yeah, exactly. And it's just something that we've, you know, we, we, we're going to have to work through with her and build up her confidence mm. a bit more. And um, just uh, we're, in a few weeks' time, I think we've got... We're going to try and do some work with a trainer and perhaps go along to some socialisation classes again. So all, all the stuff that you mm-hmm. know, many people will have done as a puppy. Doing uh, it again. Probably just going to have to go back there again. And we're going to do something again now. We're going to have another break. Stay right there. This is Jenny. I listen to London Scotty Radio podcasts when walking my lovely Scotty Logan. It's the perfect accompaniment to a leisurely dog walk. I'm Elaine. I like to listen to London Scotty podcasts while chilling with a glass of wine and preparing dinner. It's Max here. I listen to the podcasts and the bubble bath for fab tips. This is Zelda. I like to do lino cuts of Scotties. That's what I do when I'm listening to the podcast. I listen to them for inspiration. This is Fraser, the London Scotty Club podcast. It's a great way to end the day. Thank you, Fraser. I couldn't agree more. Uh, you can also start your day, as is uh, Ed here, who's uh, all the way in New Zealand in a n- completely different time zone to us. It's, it's evening here, and of course, it's morning glory in uh, New Zealand. But it's not been a great uh, start to the week, as we heard uh, everyone around the world. It's become a global story. Uh, New Zealand hit by n- a natural disaster. 
uh, and is only just now basically coming to, uh, to 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 grips with the with the extent of the uh, of the emergency. Uh, I should also mention that it's the only the third time in the history of New Zealand that the country has been declared uh, as an emergency uh, zone, and that is uh, quite remarkable. Okay, so Ed, uh, thank you for being on the show. We're, we've just got a few minutes left, and then I will let you get, get ready for your weekend as it as it, as it beckons. Um, so you, the, the the move to to New Zealand obviously um, was not without its its costs, uh, emotional as well as financial. Um, my question is, would you come back to the UK, or are you are you done with the UK? You want to stay in New Zealand? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so we've we've made this move uh, thinking it's going to be sort of medium term temporary. Um, as I say, we've only, so we, we, our plans at the moment aren't to come back. Obviously, it's a, it's a very long way away and we've got family and friends in the UK um, at varying stages of life. So we, we do at the moment certainly intend to come back. Um, that said, you know, we've only been here for sort of four months or so at the moment. And as we continue to get more and more stuck into life here, um, if we love it, we'll, 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 we'll see what happens. We might, we might end up staying a little bit longer. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. And is it uh, was it work? Do you mind me asking? Was it work, or were you just looking for a new, a new, uh, a new way of life? A bit of both, to be honest. We'd um, we first came here sort of six years ago, um, and spent we're lucky enough to spend sort of six weeks here, and absolutely loved it, and have always wanted to live and work abroad. And then, as we all know, the pandemic hit, and we thought, right, well, you know, that's not going to happen for a while. Um, so we put that dream on the back burner. Uh, in the interim, ended up you know, with with delightful little Nessie, and thought, right, this is you know even even less likely to happen. <laughs> or more settled, um, yeah, exactly. And then, but then we just thought, if we don't do it now, we're never going to do it. So we thought, right, let's let's go. So it was it was it was mainly driven by sort of just personal. It, it's always been a dream for my wife and I, um, and we've been fortunate enough that our our work situation has allowed us to to follow that dream. Fantastic. And you're both, but for I can tell from your voice, both young people. So if you're going to do it, this is the time to do it, right? You don't wait until um, you're, you're old and, uh, and and unable to travel and whatnot. So, yeah, yeah it's got, you, you've taken it by, you've taken the bull by the horns. And um, uh, it looks like uh, Nessie is enjoy, starting to enjoy herself over there. But um, obviously very interesting that what you said about how this experience has affected her. And obviously the, the podcast, as we call it, uh, is is mostly focused on on our beloved dogs. Um, Nessie, I know, is, is your is is your treasure, um, and uh, it's great that yes, there's that you've probably you know added a one percent to the ninety nine other Scotties that were already there uh, by bringing her over. Uh, it's great to hear that um, that there are at least some other Scotties over there. Um, but fascinating about the kind of um, landscape you've got. You know, the kind of uh, for dogs. I mean, you know, the fact that. Uh, they that they there's been a big sort of adjustment in in why people um, actually have got um, uh, uh, dogs of any particular type. The fact that there aren't that many pedigree dogs. I think this is really fascinating to hear all of this. Uh, but it's uh, sounds like it's all going in the right direction, and hopefully, you know, there is a, a, a charity or a protection for um, against cruelty to animals and particularly to dogs. I, I hope there is something like that. Is there? Yeah, there is actually. The um, it's it's called the SPCA. Uh, so uh, sounds very familiar to the RSPCA, and they're, mm. they're they're very big here. So there's they have lots of lots of charity shops around the country um, and big following, and, and also as I say, 
because of that that fee that people pay annually to their local council as responsible dog owners, um, the local council does also provide some you know quite extensive provision for depending on which council you're in, but but for for rescue dogs as well. Right, and and just putting it all everything into context, although you're on the other side of the world and there's so many things which are so different, there are a few things which are the same. I mean, you happen to share the same head of state as us, don't you? We do. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. King Charles III is your is your is your king as well as ours. Super. Look, it's absolutely a delight to have you on the program, Ed. And uh, I know you've had to speak for yourself, but also you've uh, made uh, some comment there for about for, for Claire. We hope that she's okay, um, and I hope that she manages to somehow get to hear this podcast, or maybe that you can reach out to her. Um, we we wish you you both every success, obviously, in your continued endeavours in in New Zealand. But don't be strangers. Remember, you're you're very much welcome. You're still part of the club, um, and you know you're very welcome to to connect with 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 other uh, Scotty members if you so wish. Um, time zones uh, permitting, obviously. Um, and yeah, no, it's just, it's just been really good to, to be able to talk to you and to hear firsthand uh, what what has been going on in New Zealand. And it really has been upsetting for so many of us here. But we, but I can tell you, we had lots of also uh, well wishes um, on, on WhatsApp. So we had people, um, you know, clasping hands together, showing prayers, wishing, uh, hoping the best for you guys um, and for your country. And uh, it's, it's a country I've yet to visit, I have to say, but I, I've got friends who live out there. Um, and uh, I really, really hope to be able to to go out there at some point, um, and perhaps to to meet some of you guys while I'm out there. So so don't be in a rush to come back if you're enjoying yourselves. Absolutely. Well, if ever you're here, you're always more than welcome for a walkabout. That so sounds like a uh, that's an invitation. I'm going to hold you to account when it's and we have it recorded now, so you can't you can't buckle. Okay, Ed. Thank you very much. Speak Thanks, to you George. soon. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to London Scotty Radio. This and all our podcasts are available online at londonscotty.club. If you liked it, be sure to subscribe to us from your favourite podcast player app. Also visit us on YouTube for fun videos. And if you have a Scottish Terrier in London or nearby, be sure to join us.